The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. We are live on air on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee, Florida, and streaming online at wvfs.fsu.edu. If you want to call into the show, feel free to dial us up at 850-644-3871. And if you happen to miss this week's show or any other future show, you can go back and listen to us on the Tomahawk Talk podcast, streaming anywhere you listen and get your podcasts. I'm your host, Luke Hazen, back in action after a week on the West Coast. And let me assure all of you guys here in Tallahassee that the people in California for better or for worse, they just don't do it like we do it here in Tallahassee. Just you, you discovered In-N-Out fries. No, no, I'm saying that Tallahassee is better. We can get into a discussion about In-N-Out later because they've got something going on there. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Took a week off there. Kind of, kind of been on and off these last few weeks. I had stomach bug one week and then Ooh. went to California the next or two weeks later. But it's nice to finally hit the ground running, have a little more consistent mm. schedule here, uh, and hopefully it gets even better when we get Gabe Tisness, my co-host, back in the booth. So we'll, we'll catch you guys up whenever we get across that road. But uh, we finally hit August on the calendar, and what has really felt like a quick summer, you and I were just discussing that, Sebastian. Um, it's We looked at our calendars, it's already August 2nd. I feel like we just got off of school. But uh, August 2nd, the turn of the calendar means that not only does the postseason push in baseball, the trade deadline just happened, not only does that heat up, but we officially will have college football here in the month of August. That's just a great, oh, thank God, great thing to just say out loud. We will have college football this month, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've got a ton more to get into tonight, including a bunch of breaking news in the NBA free agency window that just opened. But first, I want to go ahead and formally introduce my co-host for the night, Sebastian Angeliano, also producing, helping out producing a little bit. Sebastian, how you doing, bud? I'm doing pretty good, and uh, but I'll but I'll be honest. Um, it's really our boy Scott Clemens who's doing. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna give Scott all the way through. Like I can't really take any credit over the summer. Every show that's been uploaded pretty much since um, about late May has been uh, his doing. And I'll be frank. After I kind of showed on the ropes, he was like, "All right, I got this." He's taking that in stride. So I got to give my I got to tip my cap to him because he's taken uh, the producer role um, and done a wonderful job. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited to see how he how he goes through the rest of the year. Oh yeah. Uh, well, so I mean, I'm just at this point, I'm just uh, another guy. I guess I'm the sixth man here at uh, V89 Sports. Oh, you're the co-host. You're the co-host for the time being. Well, for the time being, doing a swell job there. And of course, we have yeah. Scott Clemens, as always, on the ones and twos in the production booth. There, uh, Scott got here way way before you today. He, he was ready to. He's Scott. That I, I liken it to when the backup quarterback hits the field earlier than, than the starter would, and you can tell that the, the backup's going to eventually the take nod, the starter's yeah. job there. Yeah. He, he comes in way before, but how, how's your week been? It's been pretty good. Uh, last week, last week of classes for me, um, uh, during the, for this fall sem- for the summer semester, rather, um, I've found out that I need a little more than I thought I needed. Um, I thought I could just kind of coast off of internship <laughs> hours. Turns out I can't. I need to scramble to find one more class on top of the German class that I plan on taking this semester. So... Um, I'm just going to make do with some two hour course that I just dig up somewhere. I don't know. Uh, point is, is, uh, it's finally almost coming to an end for me here at Florida state. And I am honestly really excited. Um, I look forward to keeping my afternoons instead of after work, having to do homework and things like that. Um, that's an exciting premise for me, but, uh, Monday nights are for V89. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to tonight and getting, 
getting on and talking about stuff. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of at the same point with with classes. I'm I'm taking a wine tasting class, not wine tasting, but like. Do you a, have an idea how many hours that is? A wine, <laughs> I think like two or three. Oh, if it's two, yeah, yeah. Join Yo. join me along in this in this Yo. in this adventure as we discover the history of wine. That and I'm sure that'll be probably not a bad idea. I think I know someone else who's taken that, so I might jump on that with you. Hey, the the more the merrier over there. But um, really quick, just talking about California, my, my trip out there. I got to visit Petco Park for the first time out in San Diego. Absolutely gorgeous park. Definitely, I think my top three stadiums I've ever been to now, Dodger Stadium, Petco Park, Oracle Park in San Francisco. The NL wow. West, the NL West is plain and no, simple, has I, all the best I stadiums I don't blame you on the slightest. Um, before, they, before Mountain Davis happened, uh, even the Coliseum had some sort of beauty in its own right. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, it's more of like a... Um, it stinks because every conversation about the Coliseum yeah, in Oakland it, there revolves around true. moving. Yeah, that just yeah. sucks. So it, I've got a buddy of mine who lives in Oakland or lived in Oakland and is a huge uh, athletics fan, and it, he's like, it's not like a, it, it's not a dump, it's a home, right? Like they very much love the place for what it is and the memories that they have associated with it. They're just very eager to move on and, and find a new place to to be because you know eventually the if you live long enough in a dump, the smell starts getting to you, you know. That reminds me of a very, very uh, domed stadium that that we're nearby. Oh, we, our very we talk own about like, air hangar. That you sounds know, exactly like another, how we describe. Another the trop. friend of mine described the trop as that one place where every time the Yankees play, because he's a Yankee fan, um, ball the gets ball, stuck up there. The ball gets stuck up there, and I was like, "Yeah, it always seems to be when you guys are in town." And then, like, on Friday's Red Sox game, he sends me a tweet where he's like, explain this then, where, where they, the Red Sox lose a ball up in the catwalks. It's like, this is, I, this is the first time I've ever seen it happen twice in a week. I, I think can tell the, you that. So I know it happened on Wednesday and Thursday against the Yankees because I was watching those games. And then I think Friday against the Red Sox. Like, that's the most balls that have been lost in that catwalk at the Trop that I can remember happening in, in one week. It, it's certainly doing the Rays no, no, uh, I think it was. It went both ways. Where I think it was a uh, a Yankee pop fly on Wednesday, a Rays pop fly on and then Thursday, a Red, Sox, a Red pop Sox pop fly on Friday. Yeah, it's really. I forget what the call, what the ump calls it as. I don't know if he just kind of waves the ball. Depends off. on where it gets hit. I know Hunter Renfro no, specifically for, Reds, yeah. for pop flies because yeah. the um, oh yeah uh, when it hits a speaker, the ball is still fair. Yeah. So uh, I remember that specifically because uh, we did have an instance. I think it was last year, the year before. Where um, a couple Yankees hit the the speakers out in the trop midfield uh, a couple times actually. Yeah, do you remember that specifically? Well, you know what they Yankee fans, Red Sox fans, they can call it a dump all they want. They still pack it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time Absolutely. they come to town, it's like uh, average attendance is 11k um, through the year, and then 5K, you know that is Yankees. The ALS teams come to town, and it's 17, 18. It was great, listen. It was a great atmosphere last night. I'm glad a bunch of Red Sox fans got to watch their team get swept by the now AL East leading. Tampa Bay Rays, One but and a half I, games. this isn't Razor Voice no, brought to you by Brett not. Rutherford. This is not that podcast, but I do want to start off the show formally with a little MLB recap because I think I, I think it's fair to say, Sebastian, that I consume more baseball on a yearly basis, a monthly basis, a weekly basis, a daily basis than the normal person would, and even I was just glued to my television this last. Thursday, Friday, and then especially over the weekend with all the series that were taking place. I, I mentioned, like, I, I sat down on Friday. I did not move. I was just watching baseball nonstop. 
And it's because we've come to that time in the year with a trade deadline happening this last Friday where you really start to get a feel for, for how these teams are going to look heading into the final two months of the season and, and how the teams that are trailing in their respective divisions and wildcard races are, are making moves to sort of make that final push that they could. So we can get into it right now. Obviously, leading off the blockbuster trade that happened on Friday, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, of the, formerly of the Washington Nationals, they get dealt to none other than the odds-on favorite already to win the World Series, Los Angeles Dodgers. Just an, an absolute shell-shocking move by the Dodgers. But also, when you look at their roster and the injuries they've, they've had this season, it, it might be advantageous. Like they kind of had to make this move with the injuries they've had. What did you make of, of Scherzer and Turner going to the Dodgers? I, mean, I was just wondering, where's David Stern when you need him? Because honestly, <laughs> this, 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 uh, this trade should have been vetoed for baseball interests. That's my immediate reactionary. Uh, response. I just think it's ridiculous that the Dodgers somehow are that team that finds a way to perpetually the rich get richer. They have the best TV deal in baseball. They have an infinite of uh, farm system to just pull from. I blame Andrew Friedman for that. But um, <laughs> you've got simply, simply sorry, um, what feels like a like an infinite salary cap. They're, like money does not matter when you're when you're winning. Oh, by games. far. I think th- I think the the stat is the the Dodgers have. Like not two times, but like significantly more amount of money in their salary cap than the Yankees, who are the second most. And we make fun of the Yankees all the time for for spending big. So called the Dodgers spend it. so much bigger on their payroll than than the Yankees do. It, it is. It feels a bit ridiculous at this point, where it's like, how much more loaded can a team be? Uh, now, naturally, uh, they've like you said lost uh, key pieces to injuries. Um, one key piece in particular, which whose case I won't bring up on, on air because I don't feel comfortable discussing it. Yeah. Um, of course, talking but, about Trevor Bauer. Yes, yeah. we are talking about Trevor Bauer. I don't feel like um, that is still like a major, like that's a significant component of their pen that they're just missing now, mm-hmm. um, or at least their starting pitching lineup. I, I, I um, There's still the, like the expectation for that team is very clearly to repeat. If you basically plunder the Washington baseball team, um for pretty much everything they got like Scherzer is that giant diamond that's in the center of that championship ring back in two years no two years ago yep. what happened to Washington they they were a complete team that won the World Series against Houston yeah uh, and in two years they're they're gone like it, it's well it's just drop and burn losing and and we can reminisce on these teams because we're, we're gonna get into the 2016 Cubs a little bit later on we bring that up. But reminiscing on that 2019 team, it certainly didn't help losing Anthony Rendon to free agency, who was a huge, huge piece. The Really, Juan Soto was in his second year. He Rendon was really the catalyst for that team, and they lose him to free agency. But then just the amount of money that, that Steven Strasburg has been sucking up the last couple of years, that he's pitched 20 innings, 20 innings in the last 2020 and 2021, and he makes the most amount of money on the team, save for Scherzer, who's on the, the final year of his contract. So that certainly didn't help, but let's just call a spade a spade. This is by far the biggest move that, that any team made. And the Dodgers did have to give up some prospects. They gave up their number one prospect in Josiah Gray, their pitching prospect, and, and Kiebert Ruiz, another huge catching prospect. Um, so it's not like they're they're getting them for chump change, but... I mean, certain, who, who cares? You have a very loaded uh, yeah. front side team, and yeah. you print out prospects like you print money, so it doesn't really matter for them. Yeah, I've, I've thought an incredible story 
about this trade is how they kind of flipped. They they made a trade with the Reds a couple of years ago for uh, Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Alex Wood, and a couple others. That eventually they flipped from prospects to Mookie Betts, Max Scherzer, and Trey Turner. They they dealt all those prospects they got back in that Reds deal, developed them, and then shipped them off for three All Stars. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. Friedman is a magician. I don't I like it, it. He's a magician that you gave infinite power. Because, you know, you usually have to work with more with less. And when you just turn off yeah. the salary cap and, and the show mode, it doesn't really yeah. doesn't so matter. We'll, we'll, we'll see how, you know, Dodgers are still three games back of the Giants. I think th- this signals that they're finally ready to make their push, especially with Corey Seager coming back too healthy for them. They're, they're finally going to make their, their actual push for that division crown, which I, th- I think they need more than any other team uh, needs it. But uh, moving on to a couple of other moves that were made. Um, as we bring in Scott Clemens here, noted Cubs fan. Scott, I know it's been a sad, sad weekend over there on the north side. Uh, Anthony Rizzo shipped off to the New York Yankees. Javier Baez shipped off to the New York Mets. And Chris Bryant shipped off to the San Francisco Giants. All three of them hit a home run in their debut for their respective new teams. Uh, this this is just the wor- this is the yeah. worst feeling in the world, Scott. Am I it's wrong? It's just the thing. Like that's kind of the worst part about it, right? Like you don't like. I'm never a person that wants to wish bad things onto other people, right? But it's like when you know you break up with the girlfriend, and then uh, the rebound guy was hotter than you are. Like that's what that's what this feels like. See, like if they uh, were to leave, and it was like we need to rebuild, fine, whatever, right? But don't go, like, don't go, why do all of them have to hit home runs first game out? Like, why, <laughs> why, like, if it was, like, just Rizzo or, like, just uh, Chris Bryant, right? Like, if it was one of them, fine, whatever. But you're telling me all of them, all of them are just going to go out and smash it now when we're in Wrigley kind of left with Wilson Contreras and a bunch of prospects? That's what's... That's what's kind of making it more painful, at least for me, just kind of watching it. Just, like, watching them kind of do well in other places. Obviously, you know, their time was done in Chicago. Wish them all the best of luck. But, like, you could have just waited a little bit for the wound to heal, you know? Oh, yeah. You, just you, a little. Yeah, you you bring up the, the ex-girlfriend moving on to someone hotter. At the same time, you, lo- you, you know, you move on – or the ex-girlfriend moves on to someone hotter – you're kind of losing yourself as well because the you know the Cubs have to look look back just a couple years ago they were that hotter boyfriend right the 2016 Cubs were some one of the most memorable World Series winners that I can remember I that was an incredible run that they had throughout that season I mean the, let's not mince words these guys these trio this core snapped a hundred and eight year curse so the, I think Cubs fans are always going to cling to that specific team these specific players. Because of what they they meant to the city of Chicago, I mean, I mean, by doing something like that, you cement yourself as the best Cubs team of all time. Absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt. And Chris Bryant, especially, I think Cubs fans are, are have a volatile relationship with because he also won MVP. Like he, I remember in 2015 when Chris Bryant mania kind of took over. He was the number one prospect in baseball. He made his debut, and he he was nothing but successful. And then along the way, I guess like 2018, 2019, I I really think the the turning point. Happened way sooner than people think for this Cubs roster, this Cubs core. I remember 2018, they had the they were tied for the best record in the National League with the Brewers, and they went to a, a one game playoff to see who would get the division, who would go to the wild card. 
and the Cubs lost the lost the play-in game, lost the wild card, and that was kind of like the beginning of the end there. And they tried to piece it together last year and this year, and they could just never really keep up. But uh, Scott, what are you going to remember about that 2016 team, that this core? I mean, I think it was exactly what you said, and really just kind of break, just that they were the team that broke the curse, right? And they were you, and everyone kind of talks about it and how they're like. There are probably about five or ten different reasons why it's or the Billy Goat one. I think is the one that is most popular. Bartman, but yeah, Bartman as well. <laughs> and they like they were the guys that did it. They were kind of the core of that team, and so you know that's you're going to remember them for being the Cubs that act that finally did it. The team that broke the curse. Although now, kind of looking forward, uh, David Ross kind of tell tell. Tallahassee legend this is mm-hmm. now like okay you know we've got this is no this is no longer like Madden's team per se this is your team now these are your prospects your players let's see what you can do with them and I you know being being Tallahassee guy we just gotta wish him the best of luck and I hope he does well both from like a from the perspective of a Cubs fan <laughs> and from the perspective of a like Tallahassee, Tallahassee was, guy. Yeah. Let's, for sure. let's, let's call it Scott. You're a Tallahassee guy now. You lived here long enough. Yeah, lived here <laughs> long enough. I've been here three years as a student and then I've had family around here as well. So I've always kind of been circulating around the panhandle, I guess. And but yeah, I'm there are a lot of reasons for me to be rooting for David Ross to do well. Yeah. Um, you know, I I'm I feel bad for most of all for for guys like Wilson Contreras. Like they couldn't have, you know, if I'm Wilson Contreras, I think you couldn't have shipped me off too. Like I'm the one that has to be stuck here. You know, I was part of that core too, and I I, I have to stay here. But also, it's got to be awkward because I feel like part of David Ross, part of the reason David Ross took the job with the Cubs was because his boys were still like David Ross was on that 2016 team. So oh, part yeah. of him is like his boys were still there, Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and Contreras and Jake Arrieta. Like those guys were still on that team, and now he's kind of like dealing with all these new people. Uh, Sebastian, really quickly before we move on from the Cubs, uh, out of those three, Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, who can make the biggest impact for their new team as as all three of them try to contend for the postseason? Okay, so um, can you run back who yeah. went where again? Yeah, I, I think it was Bryant went to San Francisco. Yep. Rizzo went to, or sorry, Baez went to uh, the Mets. And where yep. did Rizzo go to? Uh, Yankees. 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 Okay, so uh, the Yankees are... The Yankees and the Mets are kind of in the same spot. Uh, similar record. The problem is, is the Yankees aren't good enough to win their division, and the Mets are only good enough to win their division, but not really. I don't think they can make enough noise in the postseason because they are ultimately uh, the mediocre team in a very bad division. So it, it's more of just like a, you didn't suck enough to not make it out of this division, so you are going to probably be put up against a team that is much better than you. Um, if we're looking at it like that, um, the, the Mets have no real space to improve in the sense of, well, we won't be able to get any substantially better, um, come the postseason to really make a splash and a run for the pennant. We're also not going to be bad enough to, to really lose this division. Hopefully, you know, if you're a Mets fan, um, all right, Rizzo with the Yankees, um, back to my point where will the Yankees be hot enough to either, you know, chase down the Rays uh, sneak into the wild card and try and make their case from there, or will it be good enough to just straight up go for the jugular to beat Boston? Who knows? Um, 
Boston and Tampa Bay are both consistent enough, I believe, to not really collapse in that same way. Um, things like 2011 just don't happen every single day. Yeah, or every it, single it actually literally just has not happened at all since since, yeah. since that uh, point. Exactly. So I, I honestly think that as the division stands, maybe at most Boston overtakes Tampa for that AL East spot. Um, but other than that, I don't see any significant change. Who knows? Um, yeah. uh, New York has not hurt for offense this year. That's not their problem. Finally, uh, San Francisco. I mean, they are... So uh, LA did a patch-up job for their uh, baseball club. <laughs> I did that in air quotes. Patch-up job. You, you like, trade for a three-time Cy Young winner and a go-glove shortstop. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You only like you only upgrade with Scherzer and Turner in the same uh, trade deadline for a uh, late season push. Um, you know, who, I I think if you have like a if you need a rear gunner to to kind of push them back, Chris Bryant, um, I don't think has really lost any of his magic. Neither, none, none of these three guys really have kind of dropped off substantially mm-hmm. since 2016. There just hasn't been enough time for them to kind of sunset their careers in a sense. Yeah. Um, ultimately, if they if he buys them like one or two wins above replacement, who knows? That might be it. That might be enough to you know cement their spot as the uh, top of that division, and that might you know ensure that they are um, kind of in good hands through the uh, rest of the postseason, uh, however far they go. So I think maybe Bryant might be um, the best uh, the best position to make an impact with his club just because of the how small the margins are for his club specifically. Yeah, I, I think all three of these guys, obviously they're, they're all former All-Stars. Like these guys are impact bats that you immediately slot into the middle of a lineup and it immediately improves your lineup there. Um, but on the, on the hand of the, the Yankees and the Mets, I was kind of puzzled, less so by the Yankees. Obviously, they needed another left-handed bat in that lineup, and while Luke Voigt has been injured for them, they needed a first baseman. So it makes sense for them to trade for Rizzo. My problem with the Yankees is they, A, cannot get healthy whatsoever, and B, their more underlying issue was their pitching. Half of them are on the DL, the IL, sorry, and Garrett Cole has not been Garrett Cole. As of late, since really since Spider Attack Gate, since they started cracking down I, on the, I, on it, the substance, he he his numbers have been significantly. I think it's worse. a head thing because his pitching speed only dropped by maybe ten or twenty percent. So while his velocity might have dropped, his RPMs, the spin that he's getting on his ball, has dipped every single month since they've enacted this this new uh, legislation there. So Rizzo can only help so much. I feel like, and they've. Yankees also have stiff competition in the A's. Like the Oakland, Oakland A's on paper are healthier, and I think they're just a better team overall than the Yankees right now. So Rizzo could make an impact, but I'm not sure how big it's going to be. And then on the part of the Mets trading for Baez, it's a great story pairing him and Francisco Lindor up in the middle of that infield with second base going to Baez and Lindor playing short when he gets back. But at the same time, like they knew before the trade deadline that Jacob deGrom was going to miss at least a month. Like he's, he's slotted to make his return in September now. And they really didn't go and try to find an impact arm, which they kind of needed more than, than buys at the middle. I know their offense has been terrible too, but I, I feel like both of those, there are more overlying issues that, that needed to be addressed at the deadline. Um, whereas Chris Bryant, the, the giants are a, they're pretty healthy in their rotation. 
in the roster they're in general. Old, but they're healthy. And they're working from a luxury of, we have the division lead right now. I know the Mets are too, but they're in a, more of a race. Giants have been in the division lead in the NL West since Memorial Day. Like, they, they are consistent through and through. And adding a guy like Bryant to the middle of the lineup where you can place him every which way has to feel good. So, I think the Yankees and Mets, they need another arm. I think the Giants stand to benefit the most from the, these Cubs players. Um, speaking of arms, though, as we sort of wrap up the first half talking about uh, the MLB trade deadline and pushes for the postseason, uh, Toronto Blue Jays trade for Jose Barrios, huge arm from Minnesota there, and uh, the White Sox get Craig Kimbrell. So that you pair Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks in the back of that bullpen for the White Sox. Are the White Sox the team to beat in the American League as of today? Uh, well, they didn't really do much last season, did they? Um, no, they kind of possibility. The they're not. Are they at the top of the AL? Like, would they? Oh yeah, they they have a nine game lead on on the Indians oh, now. I have really, Guardians. No, I, I didn't mean the Central. I just meant the the AL in general. Um, I, th- I, th- I can't think of that off the yeah, top of my head. I think Houston is one game better than both the White Sox and the Rays. They, oh, they're okay. at 64, White Sox and Rays are at 64. I would honestly put them as the as the team to be. Not Houston. because of that specifically. It's just that Houston has been so good for so long. Uh, yeah. Houston Houston came out roaring this season. You know, we were like, oh, man, now that there's, uh, there's crowds in the stands, you know, it'll mess with their heads. Not uh, at all. That, that is a them. good team. They were, you know, look at last year. They had the worst possible regular season that they could have in that 60-game schedule, and they still made the ALCS. They were one game away from potentially going to the World Series and maybe beating the Dodgers for a second time. Who knows? So all, all the, I have all the respect in the world for what, what Houston's doing put on the black hat, playing the, the heel of MLB and still kicking butt. Um, yeah. Scott, do you have anything to say on, on the White Sox making that deal for Craig Kimbrell, where they might be in the Not in the really. Yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of mourning at this point. Like, yeah. it's, like I'm, I'm still in sad boy hours here. And we'll, hey, we'll, 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 we'll get it going. We'll, we'll get it going. We'll yeah. get it going. One last thing before we kind of wrap up the first half here, though. Two notable teams that really didn't make a move the Red Sox and the Padres. They both really Padres traded for Adam Frazier. Red Sox traded for Kyle Schwarber. Like those are middle of the order bats. A Frazier leadoff bat. Um, did they need to make a little bit more move to make a push for the division, or are they kind of just settling, waving the white flag for the the wild card there? I can't really say much about the uh, the Padres. Uh, their their games are too late for me to frankly watch. Uh, the Red Sox are something different. Um, I, I mean, if you look at it from from an argument that you used a bit earlier, you know the uh, the Red Sox up until this weekend were on top of the division. They don't really have to do much to retool or regain. They are still I, the reason why I, I say that um, the Red Sox are going to probably overtake Tampa because I firmly believe it. Uh, that offense is very robust. It's very consistent. It's not like the uh, the Tampa offense where if it rains it pours. They'll drop seven. They'll hang seven on you. Go on a week long tear where it's just guns blazing. You know, um, a forty two run differential after seven calendar games, uh, and then they'll be poultry for for two weeks straight. Yeah, uh, it's not like that in Boston. Um, Boston, it's a steady beating drum of runs. Yeah, I just don't trust their pitching a whole lot. Uh, they, I think they got exposed over the weekend, but we. We shall see. We're going to wrap up the first half here. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back to talk a little bit more NBA free agency with Gary Putnick, of all people, Minister of Heat Culture down there in Miami. He'll join us in the second half of Tomahawk Talk here on WVFS, Tallahassee, 
the voice of Florida State. All right, we are back here on Tomahawk Talk, talking a little MLB trade deadline and postseason push talk. Uh, Sebastian Angeliana joining me. Scott Clemens, thank you for joining us to soak in your misery as a Cubs fan there. Um, but one name that we didn't mention the first half that we were going to have on until very, very late into the half hour uh, is Gary Putnick. Gary Putnick, friend of the show, uh, contributor to the show. Uh, Gary, are you on the line with us? Yep, I'm right here. How you doing? Awesome, awesome. I'm doing well, Gary. So, first of all, quick shout out to Gary here. He just got hired. I, I don't know when you got hired, but you just announced that you have taken a job with both Warner Media and uh, and the NCAA. Correct? Yeah. So I'll be working for the next year as uh, one of their post grad editorial interns. So it's an 11 month program. And I'll be covering some more NCAA sports for the up and coming year, so I'm really excited about that. I'll be kind of, all my stuff that I would be writing will be going on NCAA.com. Wow! All right, all right. Say say hi to Andy Katz and complain about Florida State's power rankings all the time for us. He's first on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, round, round of applause yeah, for Gary, real quick. Huge hats off to to our boy Gary. Um, just one in a line of many, many uh, 89 kind of grads, alums. I guess. Yeah, alums, alums is a better word. Where they all go on to. Um, what? Oh, okay. Uh, they all go on to um, talk uh, or work in the uh, industry. Yeah, it's something that we uh, take a lot of pride in here in V eighty nine, and he's continuing that legacy. We're really, really proud of him. We're really, really grateful for the time that we had with him, and we'd love for him to be on the show whenever he wants. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we, yeah that- thank you, all. Thank, yeah, thank you guys for everything. I mean, you guys, this station's the reason why I am who I am today. I wouldn't have done it without any of you guys for that station. All right. Yeah, I mean. Shout out to Ryan Kelly, too. Ryan Kelly, former alum of the show. Mike Hudak. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was Spencer. on the show last week, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. we're going to keep bringing Gary back as long as we, we can talk golf, and we can talk Miami sports, we can talk basically anything. Uh, isn't that right, Gary? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into the NBA talk, we were talking about the MLB trade deadline in the first half there and, and all the notable moves that kind of stuck out and might have the biggest impact. Uh, what stood out to you? I know you followed a little bit. Uh, following the Marlins there, Gary, but from a MLB-wide perspective, uh, what move or, or what team are you looking at post-trade deadline is making the biggest splash there? The biggest splash? I mean, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. I really look at what the Cubs were doing, just sending guys out to the Giants, the Mets, and the Yankees. I think those three teams are going to really benefit from those three trades there, and I think those are going to be ones to watch. Grant, I don't believe the Yankees are going to win their division because I believe it's either going to be the Red Sox or the Rays, and it's looking like the Rays after this past weekend. But I don't know. I really, I, I don't know. I'm kind of pulling for the Giants there to kind of hold on to that AL, the NL West there, and uh, continue to push. Hmm. Yeah, I would love nothing better than to for the Giants to win that division and and put Dodger fans and Padre fans as much as they went all out for this last season with the moves they made, put them into a torture chamber for, for three and a half hours in a wild card game and have their entire seasons come down to one game there. Yeah, sorry, Chris Camacho. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous them trading for Scherzer. And then Scherzer, you know, if they don't win the division, they, he might not even get to pitch in a wild card scenario like that. It, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. It would be wild if that were to happen, but... I, I can't believe it was that I, I got a text message right before I came on. Just speaking about the Marlins here, apparently Lewis Brinson has hit a grand slam in the first inning for the fish. Oh my gosh. Against the New York Mets. I, Alex Crutcher texted us in a group chat. And he's like, I can't, he said, Gary, what a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know how much you guys like Lewis Brinson down there. You're the leader of that cult, right? 
Exactly, yes. I've been leading them since day one. You can go back and find uh, my episode of Tomahawk Talk where I went on a rant about how Lewis Princeton is the future when the Marlins first made the trade for him, giving away Yelich. And I'm still standing to that today with my Lewis Princeton jersey and T-shirt hanging in my closet. <laughs> well, moving on from the Marlins a little bit to another Miami team, of course. Uh, hats off to the NBA, by the way. They by far have the best sort of presentation of their free agency period. They kind of hold everything off. They hold the floodgates closed, and then they just let it all come out uh, whenever that is midsummer, like they do, like they did tonight when Woj and, and Shams, the two reporters, went head to head. I think Shams won this time around with with his uh, his beat and his reporting. But uh, Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry going to the Miami Heat on a three year deal, I believe. Uh, what, what do you have to say about that, Gary? I think it's a good pickup. I grant it's a little bit much for probably what the Heat should have been bargaining for ninety million dollars, three years. So it's a, a lot, but it does help the Heat. It gives them more of a true point guard now that Goran Dragic is away due to that signing trade there. And so it's going to be interesting to see, but I do like it that the Heat have more of a true point guard now able to kind of help with uh, Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero as well. So, And I also do like the Duncan Robinson signing there. Also, granted, a bit much, but that's also what teams are going to be paying him across the nation. So the Heat kind of had to match the market there. Yeah, I mean, how, you know... Were there talks before the kind of this week and today about Kyle Lowry signing with the Heat, or like were the Heat under a little bit more pressure to go and find a guard like that, considering you know their shortcomings this this last postseason, uh, coming off of an NBA Finals appearance? Yeah, I think that I think the whole season kind of put a spotlight on where the lack of point guard play might be for this team, because obviously Goran Dragic kind of being on and off after that injury that he suffered during the playoffs in 2020 it really put that hole in the team. And so they kind of needed to figure it out because obviously uh, Kendrick Nunn was not going to be the kind of guy that he was before the pandemic started. And so he played a little bit better compared to his uh, bubble showing, but still it's, it was still, you can't just have one guy, a young guy run that whole offense. So it, and also I'd rather not have Jimmy Butler be carrying the ball off the court. I think he can do a little bit of both, but I'd like him to be playing a little bit off the ball more often. Yeah. Some other news coming out today concerning Jimmy Butler. He gets the Supermax deal, right? So he's, yep. he's set to make, what, $50 million in the final year of that contract? Uh, what, what's your take on, on that contract going to Jimmy Butler? Also a bit concerning with the amount <laughs> that we're repaying him because he's more of a physical player. He doesn't shoot the ball terribly well, so the longevity in his career probably won't be there just due to like how it's been looking for other players of his style. In past years, so he'll be was he he'll be about thirty five or so yeah. by the time that contract ends. So I think Heat fans might be regretting that come the end of that contract. Yeah, unless it, they win a, unless they win a final, they win a final. There's no worry about any of the money spent in this offseason. But the problem is that he really can't go spend it anywhere else now after paying these three guys. Yeah, uh, especially con- I I was kind of confused by that considering I mean Jimmy spent Jimmy Butler spent significant time on on the. You know, on the IL this year for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's puzzling to say the least. Uh, and then, kind of wrapping up the, the the trio of Heat moves that they made today. Duncan Robinson. I know you you kind of touched on this earlier when we were talking about Lowry, but ninety million uh, is that the money that should be going to Duncan Robinson, con- considering his impact? Yeah, with the way that he can shoot the ball, I certainly do yeah. believe it. You, if the Heat didn't pay him that much, I guarantee you somebody else in the league was going to pay him that much money because just because of the way he shoots. I mean, shot 40% from free throw or from the three point line in 2020 or 2020, 2021. 
So yeah. that's just phenomenal. And even his rookie year, he was shooting lights out as well. I guess it was 2020, the 1920 season, he was lights out as well. So you got to pay the man when he deserves it. Yeah. Sebastian, what, what, what's your take on, on Kyle Lowry going into the Heat? Does this significantly better their chances of, of being in the upper echelon of that Eastern Conference along with, with Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee? I don't know if it's going to be enough. I mean, you've got a, a ton of old dudes in, in Miami now. It's like a it's, it's retirement home at this point. <laughs> but um, it's, a, it's a lot of money that's being thrown around down there. So it was, it was Robinson, Butler, Lowry. Who else got paid this week? Uh, Drogic got his option picked up, right? No, no. I think they're letting go of Dragic. Oh, okay. Yep, he, he's going to be part of a sign-in trade. I think he demanded that he's only going to play with Luka over in Dallas. I think that That'd was the very, report. That would cool. be really cool. Yeah, be really cool. That, that would be better. Uh, yeah. But, like, this is a this is a very – this is an all-in in a situation where I don't really think it benefits the Miami Heat to be all-in. Um, we'll have to – the Miami Heat are one of the four or five different teams in the league right now where it's like, okay, well – Last season was a bit of a disaster, but there's explainable reasons uh, for this team being kind of a disaster where it's like, okay, well, this, this, and this went wrong because they didn't have time to really fix anything in the offseason because their offseason was 40 days. Now, um, do I still believe that this is an all-in core? Let's pretend that last year didn't happen and they're all healthy. It's a full and clean reset for that organization. I Maybe I don't know that the, this season it's just not a lot to go off of for me personally, yeah. and I don't really know. Like, I, so the next question for me is, how big is this window? Is this been is this window like two or three years? Um, the, when when I, will yeah. the when will the uh, luxury checks kind of choke them out? That's what I'm wondering right now. And it's it's like it's like Gary says, like if you win a chip the next two or three years, nothing matters. Like you can ignore me. You can say like, hey, look at this bum uh, worrying about like a salary crap after a championship. But, I mean, I, the, the reason why I think of the, the cap and the, the tax is because I don't think this team is fully capable of winning a championship. And you don't really have any more money now to really say, like, okay, well, we can snag this guy, and this is it. We've unlocked this team. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I'm not confident, really, in anything that I'm seeing right now. I'm not, like, all in. It's not like a, oh, this team, yeah, I've got it. We're, I, I see how this is going to work. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm dead wrong, which is a very likely thing because I am talking about basketball. <laughs> yeah. No, Sebastian, you made some good points there. I mean, with the window that they're speaking of, because these guys are a little bit old, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, you still have some youth there with still Bam Adebayo and Duncan and Tyler and Kendrick. So you still have some youth on this team, but you're right, that window is getting small very quickly, and I think it's that two to three years where the Heat need to win and kind of make that push, and what they're really relying on is kind of the rub of the green to give them a right balance every now and then to allow them to win that title. Kind of like how they got in 2020 where they were able to take it to the Celtics, the Bucks, and then maybe make it a little bit close against Lakers. Grant, if everything was healthy, I think that series still goes a little bit differently. Yeah. Well, moving on from the heat a little bit, we'll, we'll see how they fare in the East there, but over in the West, the Phoenix Suns locked up two of their main contributors this last postseason. Uh, Chris Paul, he declined the initial uh, team option, or player option, sorry, that he had uh, from the Phoenix Suns. Uh, tested free agency. He is coming back to Phoenix. It's confirmed for $120 million, 30 mil per year over four years there. Uh, Chris Paul will have made $446 million over the course of his NBA career and NBA contracts there. 
just insane when you don't even factor in the State Farm ads that he does. But they lock up Chris Paul, and they return Cameron Payne, who's going to be making uh, – he's signed to a 19 mil- – I think that's kind of cheap, actually. A $19 million deal for, for three years there for campaign, especially when you look at the other guys. TJ McConnell getting $32 million and, and others getting way more than, than campaign. I think that's a steal. But uh, with Phoenix re-locking in Chris Paul and campaign and the rest of those guys there, uh, are they still the team to beat moving forward in the West, Gary? No, of course, no. They're not the team to beat. They can't <laughs> be the team. You just thought by the time this uh, contract, that four-year deal with Chris Paul's up, he'll be forty years old. I mean, I have, just let that let that sink in. I don't think he's going to be playing Vincent, the same uh, style of basketball he's playing today. He's not, and the way that they they were saying allegedly the NBA rule changes are going to be coming about next year. I don't even know if he's going to be able to get away with some some of the stuff that he's been getting away with these past few years. So. I don't expect him to be as much of an impact player going down the line in this contract. I think it's still the Lakers out there that are the team to beat, especially after getting Westbrook. They only had to give us Kuzma, uh, Montrell, and one other. KCP. KCP. KCP to get uh, Westbrook. But So I still think the Lakers, as long as they remain healthy, they're going to be the team to beat. But you're right, campaign, getting him on that big of a value is very nice. I do like campaign a lot. Yeah, Sebastian, what, what did you think of that? Are, are this, do the Suns pose any threat to the Lakers? Absolutely. They, let's see. Yeah, let's say the Lakers are healthy with Westbrook, and the Phoenix Suns are healthy, returning all of their players from that Finals team last year. So there was a lot. the The immediate initial reaction uh, to these new Lakers is, um, you know, new super team again. Like it, it's over. Like you you mm-hmm. add a component like Russell Westbrook to a team with LeBron on it, and you can forget it. The series, uh, sorry, the season is a write off. Um, I am reminded of early 2010s Laker teams that were supposed to be like that, specifically the one with Steve Nash and Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant, the, the super team, the, not the original super team, but like the, uh, cover of sports illustrated, this is going to be fun super yeah. team. Uh, and that blew up spectacularly in their face. Um, because you like, I don't know, it's not the Lakers. I mean, I just don't yeah, think they're healthy, yeah. but I, I, I mean, ultimately, that's an NBA Finals team. Like the Suns are an NBA Finals team. You're not losing a ton, if anything. Um, it's an immediate run it back. Um, they have kind of cracked that Laker team. Maybe with with Westbrook, things will be different. But I don't really have don't like know, an I, indication because that second reaction that people got was like, "Oh man, this team is crazy." But is it actually? No, I, I don't think they addressed any of the needs. That, well, obviously. Whenever you get an all star like Westbrook, it's it's a it's a net positive, right? Like you're getting one of the best point guards in the league. But Westbrook doesn't particularly shoot the ball well, and they kind of needed more shooting on the wing there, Gary. If they were going to improve upon their kind of injury riddled last year, where you know you couldn't rely on LeBron to make anything on the outside, you couldn't really rely on uh, Dennis Schroeder to to make anything on the outside, and then you replace it with Westbrook, who's kind of worse off than both of them from beyond the three point line. Uh, is there going to be an adjustment period for this Lakers team like that? Yeah, of course. Whenever you bring in a big superstar like a Russell Westbrook, it's going to take a little bit of time for those other big egos to kind of adjust and figure out how everyone plays together. So, I mean, we saw obviously with the Nets, we're going to still continue to see it because the Nets have yet to play about 10 games together with those big three, uh, Harden, uh, Lowry, not Kyrie Irving, sorry and uh, Durant all together. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time for all of them to get going, but if that team can kind of find their groove, 
they could be unstoppable in the West. Yeah, certainly something to, to look to. I think those are by far the, the best two teams moving forward. Also, look out for Golden State. They might have something up their sleeve. Clay Thompson, yeah. Steph, come back. Uh, moving on to the NBA draft. I know we had the NBA draft, and of course, another one of Lem- Leonard Hamilton's recruits drafted in the top four. Same exact position as, as Patrick Williams was last year with the fourth pick in the draft. Uh, Bulls took Patrick Williams last year. This year, the Toronto Raptors have the fourth pick, and they pick Scotty Barnes. Gary, what does that say? Another high, high lottery pick that that gets drafted by uh, by a team out of FSU. What can you say about just the development that Leonard Hamilton ha- has brought to his program? It just speaks to how good this oh this program is getting and how much respect they should be garnering from all this, but still kind of feels like FSU still doesn't get the respect they deserve. But <laughs> I think once a lot of these guys like Patrick Williams, Scotty Barnes, Vassell, Trent Forrest, all start to show out in their respective uh, cities, Terrence I think FSU is going to start to get a little bit more respect in the collegiate game, even though I think out of the past two seasons, FSU is right up there with players drafted. The I think they might be either tied or have the lead in players drafted uh, out into the NBA draft. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, go ahead, Sebastian. I, I actually kind of want to take the focus away from Florida State for a bit and focus on Scotty Barnes specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I honestly am not crazy about this trade. Uh, I'm not saying that Scotty Barnes wasn't a first round pick. I don't think it was a top five pick. Maybe like a top ten pick. If you're going off of, of you know, measurements alone. The dude's—I mean, the dude's a freak. He—he he is absolutely a freak when you consider. I think it was quality, but I, I just—I uh, don't know what my expectations were. I suppose here at Florida State, a five-star uh, comes in for one year, um, then kind of uh, goes and declares for the draft. That was to be expected from kind of the jump, right? Uh, but during that season, like he didn't—you know—it wasn't like he was hanging thirty on people, and that wasn't really his role either. No, um, no, no. But I, I don't know. He just felt the one word that I focused on each and every year. I wrote it down basically after every third game that I covered or watched was raw. He just yep. feels like he's too raw. And I, and maybe that's the point of, um, you know, coming here for a year and then using uh, Florida State as a springboard for um, an NBA career and then further developing either um, who are the Raptors? Uh, what What is the Raptors G League affiliate? Um, with, oh, I don't know. You're talking, you're talking about the summer league and stuff yeah. like that, yeah. uh, or just developing there. But I don't know if he can develop quickly enough to be an immediate impact from day one. That's I don't know if that's the expectation, just like it is in in um, the NFL, where it's like there are rookies that are just lights out from the jump. Um, I don't I don't know if he's going to be a rookie of the year candidate, but we'll, we'll see. I'm rooting for the kid ultimately. A knolls and all. Yeah, Gary. Real quick, what what are your what are your prospects on on Scotty Barnes? kind of excelling at the highest level in his first year when he was at times coming off the bench for Florida State. Well, I mean, it's still kind of what we saw with Patrick Williams where he was coming off the bench. You didn't see a ton out of him. And every now and then, like Sebastian said, it looked very raw. And I think that's what the Raptors kind of liked, that he was raw. And if you're raw in that sense, you can be molded and kind of uh, turned into a player that they want him to become. And developing that three-point shot and developing just any sort of outside shot is a huge thing that's Scotty Barnes needs to work on, but his driving ability and his just ability on the court is already phenomenal. So I think I think the one thing that they just need to look at is a shot for him. But great, he's six nine, so it's that if he can develop a shot at six nine, he could be unstoppable. Yeah, absolutely, something to look forward to, and I'm sure we're going to get many, many more 
draft picks out of Florida State in the next coming years. I mean, Leonard Hamilton's just got a a hand on the pulse of that that program there. Another three with Raekwon Gray, Balsa Kaprivica, and uh, Scotty Barnes getting drafted this year. I mean, it's just outstanding what he's been able to do, giving those guys a future there. Uh, one last thing, Gary, before I let you go, though. It would not be a conversation with me concerning the NBA if I wasn't talking about my Bulls. Lonzo Ball getting traded to the Chicago Bulls. He's going to be the point guard of the future there. Uh, the big baller brand coming with him. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Are the Bulls going to be better than the Heat this year? Uh, no, they're not going to be better than the Heat, but I think <laughs> they will be a good team still. I liked even what they were doing last year. They're a young team. They got a ton of upside, and I really do believe they can make, a, make some noise this year. Yeah, you, you add Lonzo to a core already with, with Levine and, and Patrick Williams and uh, Nikola Vucevic down there. It, it certainly has the makings of something promising. Uh, Scott joins us here in the booth again. Scott, what did you make of that trade? I mean, I thought it was interesting. We, uh, When I first got to the studio, we were kind of talking before about kind of what this uh, Lonzo trade means for Kobe White, who I've always liked as a prospect. I thought he was, like, n- obviously not best point guard in the lead league, but I think a solid point guard for that Bulls team. And I was wanting to kind of see him grow a little more, but with this trade, I'm interesting to see kind of what happens with him as a prospect and just kind of where, where his career goes from here. That's really where kind of my questions are about this overall. I like the move, like an improvement is an improvement and uh, him and Levine and that backcourt is going to be very exciting. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. I've been on the Lonzo to the Chicago train for a while now, so we'll see how they fare with the, with the new season coming up. But uh, Gary, before we let you go, anything you want to update us on? Any any projects you're working on or anything? I always give you this time to do that. Well, no, obviously, you guys, we already covered the whole NCAA Warner Media thing, but I mm-hmm. just wanted to mention before we got off. I mean, were you watching any bit of Xander winning that major on Sunday or on Saturday night, Sunday morning? I watched and I pretended that I did not see it. I mm-hmm. so for those listening out there, I, I have a anti Xander agenda just because he's disappointed me. There was some early scar tissue there with Xander where he was in some majors and then he lost them. So now I'm just completely anti Xander Shoffley, uh, and I, I actively root for him to to choke away yet another major. But he does win the U.S. Olympic go- or the U.S. Uh, gold. For the first time since what, 1909? When have they ever won gold? 1901, I believe. 1901. It's Charles Sands, I think it was. 1900 or 1901. Charles Sands, either way. Yeah. So they played golf. They brought it back for 2016, I believe. But before that, Mm -hmm. they had taken a long, long break, over a century long, I believe. Um, But Xander Shoffley wins gold. Gary, I'm going to give you this time to to kind of tee off on me and and stand on your your soapbox there about Xander. I mean, it was what a moment. What a moment for a guy who deserves it all. I mean, he's, the guy's been working so hard. He, he has moments where he's just, it slipped away out of his hands just to, at the wrong times. But, hey, he took advantage. It was a good field. Rory Sabatini made a great push at the final fourth round there with a 61. Made it close. Xander almost blew it, then brought it back just in the nick of time just to secure that gold medal. And, I mean, even uh, arguably one of the better parts about that day was that seven-person uh, seven playoff for third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was crazy. I know Rory had a good outing. I don't think he should ever go back to wearing a hat. I think he sig- <laughs> golfs significantly better when he's not wearing a hat out there. Uh, and, and honestly, I, I, I read this story about 
Rory's head where like he specifically specifically gets hats designed for him on tour by Nike. So when he's in team events like the, the Olympics or the Ryder Cup or something, uh, Nike can't outfit him in those hats, so he goes without a hat. Yeah, because his head—he said it was his so head small. Is really small. So <laughs> Nike makes all of his hats tiny, and so when he gets the, like the pre-made hats, like the small, medium, the medium, large, whatever, it's all way too big for him, which I think is kind of hilarious. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna give a, a very soft congratulations to Xander because I don't think it's a real major. I don't think it's a real championship. He should be uh, raised on a pedestal for. But uh, are we gonna call him the new Captain America? Is he stripping that from from Patrick Reed now that he's won the U.S. of gold? I think he might. But Greg, credit to Patrick Reed. Last second there, he stepped up and flew over to Tokyo to uh, play in the event and. Nothing that golf facts could do would stop him from getting any <laughs> bad tea times for this event. <laughs> yeah, I think I think in his interview heading over to Tokyo, he said like they don't call me Captain America for nothing. I'm like, oh jeez. Yeah, he's like the fans gave me that nickname. I was like, you're kind of right. We gave you that nickname, but either way, we're not we're not happy with it now. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Well, Gary, it's been quite a second half here talking to you about everything NBA and golf and MLB and and whatnot. So. We're going to let you go as we sort of wrap up the last couple of minutes of this show. But another huge congratulations to you on nabbing that job with the NCAA and uh, uh, best best endeavors towards you moving forward. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. I got to go back and watch the replay of that Lewis Princeton Grand Slam. I'll be sure to send it to you guys. Oh, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> Ladies oh, and gentlemen. <laughs> yep. See you, Gary. All right. See you guys later. Bye. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the always outstanding Gary Putnick here. As we wrap up the last couple of minutes of the show, um, just want to take a moment to kind of reflect on, on you know, U.S. women's and men's soccer. You know, women's soccer had a very disappointing loss in the Olympic Games. They lost one nothing to Canada. Sebastian, you and I were talking about Freaking that. Freaking Canada, man. Of all teams, uh, we haven't uh, – the United States women's team hasn't lost to Canada since 2001. That's brutal. Well, yeah. if there would be – you know, we were talking about it uh, – if there would be any team that would lose to Canada, it would be this kind of older team, you know. Yeah. We were uh, talking specifically, like, yeah. before – Let I, I know in basketball, it was before 92, famously, 92, um, amateurs were the uh, bread and butter the of the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, professionals usually did not play in the Olympics. And um, to add to that, this team is ins- – this team is old. Rapinoe is 36. Can you imagine a 36-year-old in pretty much any sport? playing uh, or competing at the top of the Olympics. Hats off to her for being this competitive. And I know I sound like one of those um, negative people when it comes to this team for its, you know, um, political activities. And that's not my point. Um, That doesn't, that's not what I'm focusing on here. This team, this team, I don't think was as well equipped as it should have been. Um, And um, you can say, oh, it was, it was off a penalty, right? It, it, yes, but you have 90 minutes to score a goal, and the expectation is, is that you are the best team in the world yeah. by far. And that is no longer the case. It's like the wake-up call that men's basketball uh, is getting at this Olympics. It's like um, just because you have dominated the sport for 40 years does not mean you're infallible anymore. Yeah. And I hope that this is a good wake-up call for the team. I still think that the expectation for them is a bronze um, which is a tragedy coming off of you know an insane stretch that that team has experienced over the past three. But years. it's time to you know it's an insane stretch, but it's kind of time to move on. Get it some time to get some on. youth in there. Uh, well, as we wrap up the show, you were talking about U.S. men's uh, basketball. There, they have another game tonight against uh, I think it's Spain. 
they're playing th- it tonight, so I'm gonna have to stay up for that. They, see if they move on uh, to the semi. I think it it would be a um, it would be a this is to see whether or not they play for the gold medal game. I believe. Yep. yep. Um, they have played Spain more than any other team ever. Uh, they have played Spain twelve times and they have not lost once. Uh, they are twelve and zero. I'm knock not on wood. wood. I'm knocking on wood right there. Um, but this this final is going to be actually no. I think that's a quarterfinal. I'm thinking about it. I just hope they they get to play Luca. I, I, I really want to see them play Luca in a, in a gold medal game. Yeah. Uh, if there's anybody who can you know one v one the best country in the world that bat, men's basketball, it's got to be Luca. And I'm I then he's going to be must watch television. We're gonna be, we're gonna stay up until three to watch that. Yep. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Well, hopefully they win tonight. Kind of a patriotic ending here to the show today. Yeah. Um, but from Scott Clemens in the production booth, from Sebastian Angeliana joining me as always, I'm your host, Luke Hazen. This has been Tomahawk Talk here on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. See you next Monday.